you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. The Around the NFL Podcast is a certified freak seven days a week. Welcome. How about that? For the holidays to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis. I come to you from a virtual room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Greg Rosenthal, and you know who it is, Colleen. Ooh. Hey! What's, What's up? up, guys? What is that t-shirt you're wearing? Wow. What do you mean? Why are wait a second? Do you are this is a heel turn? What? A Jeremiah Brooks. <laughs> 2020 move the sticks t-shirt this is just something i pulled out of the laundry yeah it's just the only thing that was clean just tell me that you didn't buy it please tell me you didn't put money in his pocket no one's bought it dan don't worry this this was a gift this was a gift from dj and now it's my gift to you well it is clear that daniel and uh i guess bucky was part of the mailing campaign too um sent this shirt to everyone at nfl media save for uh, the four of us, including Chris Wesley. You know, well, everyone, everyone tweeted about it and has it and owns it. I mean, wait, so you, so Mark has now turned this into he wants the free merch. I don't well. want it. I just think that it was a very um, targeted um, nonsense to the four of us. I needed, uh, I, we're running low on uh, dish rags. So I was hoping one would come for me, Ooh. but apparently, uh, not in the mail yet. That's Col- how I found my mom's favorite, my favorite Eagles uh, t-shirt that I own. My mom was using it in a pile of rags to clean the house, which is very <laughs> fitting. And I'm sure I could find some more of those right now if I looked. Absolutely. Colleen, always a joy when you join us here on the show, especially here um, during the holidays. Thanksgiving here in America on Thursday, a very strange Thanksgiving and what's been a very strange year. Uh, we still have each other, though, and we also have, and I'm just teasing this uh, because I want to get into it at the end of the show. We have Erica Tamposi's appearance on The Weakest Link uh, that aired Monday night on NBC. And I, I'll say this as a tease. Uh, there were good things from the show. We'll start with the strongest link in the last round. And once again, it's Erica. And Let's- not so good things from the show. I'm tempted to just ask both of you to spell your first names. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. it was a true gift. I'm really excited <laughs> to talk about it. <laughs> All right. And uh, okay, maybe we'll have some uh, special guests at the end of the show as well. So uh, that's coming up later. Uh, also, uh, we have to dig into the big th- Thanksgiving schedule in the NFL as tradition uh, dictates three NFL games played on Turkey Day, and we're going to preview all of those. Uh, we'll check in on uh, an updated hot butt, hot butt power rankings uh, amongst head coaches as we head down the street. What a show. But before any of that, we must finish the Week 11 uh, slate with a Monday Night Football recap. Here's Brady over an outstretched hand, and it's too far. Too far for Brady and intercepted. Jordan Fuller. 
comes up with his second interception of the night. And it was the game sealer by Jordan Fuller, who picked off Tom Brady, the decisive play, in a 27-24 victory for the Los Angeles Rams, who improved to 7-3 and three and keep themselves right in the mix at the top at the uh, at the top of the NFC West, and for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, hmm, you start asking some questions, Colleen. You start asking some questions. Ooh, I can't believe those two Brady interceptions. Like, first of all, I had the pleasure of watching this game with Wes and Keisha and Link. So maybe that's a humble brag to start the show um, it is. at this point. But it was so awesome to see. No that. mention so of your your husband. Gonzo. And John. And John right, he was, was there also too. who? Present, yeah. John Ronald Gonzalez, born March 12, 1977, is an American sports writer who's married to NFL media broadcaster Colleen Wolf. John, who's a Pisces, resides in Los Angeles with his wife and two dogs. John? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, there was a there was a cake for Erica, but we won't get into that right now. Um, that's for later in the show. So watching this game, though, I mean, those two interceptions that Brady threw. They were horrendous. They were just awful throws right to Jordan Fuller, both of them. Obviously, that last one sealed the game. But I thought for sure when the Rams gave the ball back to Tom Brady at the end there, I thought it was kind of a curious decision to be so conservative on Sean McVay's part. And then they gave Tom Brady the ball back with like two and a half minutes to go. And I thought that Brady was going to get it done for the Bucks, and that did not happen. Like the fact that the Rams weren't able to take the Bucks out of it at any point of the game, I think, was frustrating because they played. Jared Goff played so well in the first half, and then some of that shine came off in the second half. But I, it's just so hard to understand this Bucks offense. Like some weeks they'll look amazing, and then other weeks just a little lost. I don't know. I think McVeigh trusted his defense. Now he lo- he loves to run on third and long, and he loves to not go for it on fourth down, and that that conservatism bothers me. But he's such a good coach, and I think he had a feel for that game. The Bucks had the ball eight times in the second half, and they got 113 yards for the fourth the third quarter. They didn't move the ball at all. I think he trusted his defense. And that's a credit to why I think one of the reasons why I think Sean McVay is such a good coach. Like on a night where the number one running game in the league couldn't do anything, they were able to win throwing the ball. Uh, after a season where they go nine and seven, which felt like everything's going terrible for the Rams, they bring back the same exact offensive line everyone hated. They're fine. And he changes their defensive coordinator from an all time legend who brought them to the Super Bowl to a guy no one ever heard of, Brandon Staley. And that's like the most important thing a coach can do is, is hiring a good coaching staff. And Staley has made all the difference. And you saw it last night. The fact that they've shut down the Seahawks and the Bucks in back to back weeks, Staley has been. Uh, uh, he's a candidate, Mark, for your old award, Co- Coordinator of the Year. A little Brandon Staley love. I think he is. I mean, this is a Rams defense that's given up 19 or fewer points in six games. Uh, we, we keep talking about the Bucks as one of the difference-making defenses. Well, the Rams are right there. And, I, you know, I look at Bruce Arians, the whole Bucks thing, I do agree with Colleen, sort of a week-to-week thing. And I, I think I feel the same way as a person but you don't want to feel that way about a football team that we were you know, projecting to the <laughs> NFC title game. And I look at Bruce Arians. You've been uh, swept uh, in Tampa Bay this season by, uh, you know, sh- by, the, by the Saints, okay? You've been, you've been beaten by Sean McVay. Is this a difference-making coach? Um, I mm. love Bruce Arians. I've always sort of adored his 
upfront nature and in the way that he calls players out. He called Tom Brady out today for maybe just sort of not being all there with his reads and, and, and the way he's seen the field. And Fuller said that on the second pick, all he did was watch Brady's eyes. So I don't know what to make of all of it um, on the on the Bucks offensive side. Uh, we are in deep November, and they are talking about the fact that they're still sort of warming up and figuring out who they are. Um, I'd be concerned. This feels like a team that could be picked off um, in the playoffs. I just I don't project them to the Super Bowl get at any point at, the, at this at this. Here, well, I think they will get there. Here's the concern: if you're a Bucks fans, a Bucks fan, did you peak? Because a month ago, they looked absolutely unstoppable. And it did cross my mind at the time. It was like, things are going so perfectly for this t- for this team right now. And everyone's in love with them. And they're playing so well. But it was the end of October. And it's like, what's going to happen when you hit a valley? Are you able to climb out of it? That's that's where they are now. I, I just Sometimes I have doubts, just like I did at the end of Brady's Patriots career, where when the competition steps up and you have a fast ferocious defense like the Rams, for instance, he just starts to look a little bit old. And I thought he looked old in this game. Uh, some of the plays, there was a, a throw. I know Leonard Fournette dropped a bunch of passes, but I think the last drop he had was when Brady essentially was seeing ghosts in the pocket and just fired a screen pass to Fournette uh, near his shins. Yep. Uh, and, you know, getting rid of the ball before, before he would have liked to, uh, I think led to that first really grim interception. So they're interesting. And, and, Gre- and Mark, you should know that I was on, uh, NFL Now with Andrew Siciliano uh, this morning, and he made a point to bring you up by name and say, you know, some people, I don't want to say who, and then he said, Mark Sessler, uh, don't seem to give the Rams any respect or love. Well, how about now? And you yourself said, Mark, on Thursday's preview podcast that you needed to see the Rams deliver a big performance against the Bucks. Well, they did. Are you in now on the LA Rams? Well, whatever it takes to get on, you know, our the network that I'm employed by, but doesn't um, seem to want me on there too often. I'll take whatever <laughs> whatever I can get. But I will <laughs> I knew say that this: was coming. <laughs> I, I will say this. Like, um, yes, yes, because the Rams, I th- they've had a couple losses that leave me questioning their DNA, who they are, what their ceiling is. Um, I have questions about every NFC team, though. It, there's no perfect team in the NFC. So they're one of those imperfect Root. operations. But that said, uh, to go out and do what they did last night, um, it, and, and you saw the better version of Jared Goff and, and when their wide receivers are operating the way they were, uh, you, see the, you see the potential. So I'm not ruling them out. And nor do I have this innate uh, dislike for the team based on the film I'm watching. It's more the fact that, uh, well, I'm not going like to get into overall it. feeling. It's, about it's, the the, it's that I am told that I must be pro Rams no matter no what I think told in you my that. Brain. This is in your own head. Then. You have you the this. voices in your head. You know insinuate, what I'm discussing. You know what I'm discussing. Here is that we Deep were told state that propaganda. Well. Deep we state are being propaganda. good boys and girls uh, by liking the Rams. That's not true at all. Do you feel Colleen. that, Colleen? Do you feel that? Because we're going you know, to be well, down there. I know what you're all going to say. You're going to be doing your shows we don't feel it. Of I'm, yeah, I don't feel I it. never have felt that. I've See? never felt that before, ever. Never once. Wow. <laughs> That's it. You know what? When you got when I'm working for like um pack like the Pac-12 conferences, like blogging website, you will know that I'm right. Hey, um, <laughs> one and a shout out to Jared Goff as well. Without his left tackle, without a running game, uh, this you would think would be the setup where the Tampa Bay Bucks would torment him, and he didn't have a perfect game. Two as, interceptions. Uh, Colleen, alluded to it wasn't a perfect game uh but he did throw for over 300 yards he moved the ball and cooper cup and robert woods combined for 23 catches they are the first teammates in rams history to both have at least 10 catches in a game it was just a really really good night 
uh, for the Rams and really a, a great two weeks because forget that narrative that was in place there, Greg, when people are saying, ah, the Rams, I know their record's good, but they swept the NFC East and they have a couple losses against good teams. Can't say that anymore after what's happened against the Seahawks. Uh, and now the Bucks. Well, they're very complete. I don't think I. I do worry about them being able to keep up in a shootout. Like last night, they should have put that game away. Their defense really uh, kept them ahead, but the the offense kept trying to let the Bucks back in it. That could be a problem in the playoffs. But they're very complete on both sides of the ball. Whereas the Bucks are like. Before we move on, like the, the team they remind me of the most is the 2019 Bucks, which gets back to Mark's point, which is if you really watch the Bucks last year, every game. They would have two to three quarters sometimes stretches where they looked like world beaters. And then it would all fall apart. And the defense is definitely better this year. And they played well enough last night to win, I thought, the Bucks defense. But that's been the case with this Bucks team throughout. And you do wonder if, like, look, Brady throwing deep 20 times in the last three weeks and not completing one of them. At some point, you got to think, like, is this, is this the right approach? I, I, where's Chris Godwin? Like, you would think Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown throwing short – uh that it work with Tom Brady like having Tom Brady with a running back with no running box backs that can catch the pass it's like you know it's like having Mark Sessler on a Sunday without a Browns game to, to make him crazy it just it doesn't make any sense or us doing this podcast while Mark is working for the Pac-12 I mean it wouldn't, wouldn't, it wouldn't feel right we don't we don't want that all right wait one more thing really quick what? Um, the Mike Evans touchdown, I feel like we just have to give that a shout out mm. when he dragged like multiple dudes into the end zone would not be denied. That was like superhero stuff. I, he's so strong. I don't know how he does it. I, I think I speak for Mark. Uh, not impressed. No, <laughs> I was no? fully impressed by that. I totally that impressed. Was, was totally nice impressed. athletic move. You are completely correct, <laughs> unimpressed by his physical they're they're prowess. a value add these bucks they're entertaining whether they're good or bad they bring a lot to this season we needed it i will be canceled by the end of the show it did. so it did. everything's fine colleen it did absolutely nothing for me it did nothing all right didn't move what, the needle that's fine moving what, on then. what's up erica oh what's going on oh We're somebody in club dub Who's joining because me? Chris Wessling locked up the Rams against Tom Brady. And oh. in shocking development, the Rams pulled it off. What a what a waste because the great Chris Wessling uh, hates clubs. So he's going to come in there and he's going to leave within 10 minutes. But it's going to be good to see. Maybe I can buy him a beer or something. He's not getting bottle service? Best lock of the year. I mean, that's a heavy underdog. That's, a, that's calling your shot. That's good. Well, he also had to make a lock like hours into Sunday's action. So he was left without, you know, a, a bevy of choices, but, uh, but, uh, but a nice lock. All right, let's uh, now move on and pivot quickly, uh, lady and gentlemen, to Thursday, Thanksgiving, three games. How about that? It's tradition. Let's jump right into it. Texans at Lions. And, you know, you know, Colleen, they couldn't even, the Lions have been such a disappointment both to the people of Michigan and surrounding territories and people that cover the league that just want things to be fun up in Detroit because it's been so long. Uh, we had thought on this podcast that the Lions would at least beat the, the Panthers on, in week 11 and then go into this game with a real sense that they could like get into the playoff mix properly with a win against the Texans. But they didn't even give us that by getting shut out uh, by Carolina. 
it's it's so disappointing because I keep believing in them for some reason. It's like it's like I'm in an abusive relationship with the Lions mm. because like they just keep doing the same exact thing. And I keep expecting them to actually show some signs of life. And obviously, it's a tough sitch right now for the tough Lions. Sitch. They're coming <laughs> off the 20 to nothing loss. And I mean, the Lions defense couldn't stop former XFL ace PJ Walker in his first start. Like, that cannot happen. Also, you know, you have Matt Stafford's thumb is obviously an issue. And now it's just a couple days removed from that game. How much better is it even going to be? Plus, they're dealing with a lot of key injuries with their playmakers. I mean, they seriously have missed Kenny Galladay. There's a chance that he returns on Thursday. But Danny Amendola and DeAndre Swift, I'm not like DeAndre Swift is still in concussion protocol. So they have a lot of issues going on, and they're going up against a Texans defense that allows over 400 yards per game. So someone's going to get right here. I just I'm not sure mm. which who it's going to be, and I, and I guess it's going to be the Texans because I can't keep taking the Lions. They got no juice. I mean, this is, I don't know what the fan situation is going to be uh, there in Detroit, um, but what a what a dead atmosphere. Uh, it would be in theory for this team because they're just a dead team. They had one quarterback hit last week on PJ Walker, you know, so that's Matt Patricia's defense. And then when you're right, when they take away Galladay and Swift, that that's all the juice they have. Where on the other side, you got Deshaun Watson, who I, who would be in my top five quarterbacks in the NFL this year. I would, I would put him behind kind of the three MVP candidates. Everyone's now kind of circling as the, the biggest ones, which would be Wilson Mahomes and Rogers. I would put Josh Allen fourth, and I would put Watson uh, fifth. And he's coming off one of the best games of his career against the defense, the Patriots, who has a lot of similar DNA in terms of how they want to try to stop Watson. And I, he's one of the hardest ones to scheme against because they, now since O'Brien left, he's suddenly running way more, much, much more. I think that's, I think that has to do with Bill O'Brien leaving that they that they decided this, you know, please scramble some more. Um, but he's still such a good pocket quarterback. He's been so accurate. So I expect a lot of points, especially if Galladay's back, which at least make this thing watchable. You know, Dan, you mentioned the 52-yard flea flicker uh, that Detroit scored against Carolina that would have made that game um, somewhat, you know, watchable early on. It was called back by penalty. The Lions had no answer for that. They never came back and, and, and punched Carolina in the face, um, in the mouth on any level. Uh, I, I find this to be, unfortunately, a game of zero consequence. Uh, I, the, the Texans are fun to watch, but the, the Detroit Lions have become synonymous with crappy early game on Thanksgiving that they continue to call a tradition. Uh, some traditions should be canceled. We've canceled a lot of traditions. They've given us some good games, though, in fairness Ooh, to them. They, they've last won, year. Them. They've I mean, won them, and, they were clo- and they've been close. Well, David Blau was David Blau. Yeah, it wasn't. Uh, David you David get David Blau, Blau in there. I but, like, you know, if it's – I feel other, like I was alone on this island last year. Didn't I broach – very lightly the idea of taking the lions off thanksgiving I, and there I'm was a lot of pushback you did this was we your called you grin yeah this we was just said piece. what do they I have totally what do they have you know just well it's either it's you've got um nadama kinsu stomping matt schaub in a terrible area or you've got nothing they have no identity so i don't um it's 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 a slight disgrace that this game will occur on a national television scale um but we'll deal with it and there'll be two better games after this is why the theory it doesn't work as a theory. <laughs> Mark excited for the early game on Thanksgiving. This is why it does not uh, We're work. Dark Sessler today, but we are. No, it's I just because I because I know frankly. So we yeah, no no you know what I look, I always like I peer at the the Thanksgiving slate 
you know, before, kind of like t- 10 days before. And the minute I saw this, I just thought, you're wasting three hours of my time. So, okay. <laughs> so, Greg, you say the reason for keeping the Lions on Thanksgiving is they don't have anything else. Okay. The Lions are one of the have-nots of the league, and they've been that way for a long time, but they're not alone. So if we're really going to turn this into charity, why not just rotate that game with all the have-nots? I don't really? know. They stepped up at why some did they point get it in like every year? 19. I, I, there is a reason to it, but at some point in the like 50s or 70s, I, you know, I'm, I sound stupid here. They stepped up and they said, we'll take it. We'll do that game. Are you the just NFL naming random decades yeah, in your sure. data? It's, they've had it for a while. I just in the seventeen forties. Yeah, the Lions have played eighty games on Thanksgiving. They're thirty-seven, forty-one, and two. It's a family tradition. You're trying to take that away from the Patras. They don't have the the Freelands. You know, family? they don't have anything else. It's the a families family that go to that game. Wait, why don't the Patras and the Freelands have anything else? You I'm just, saying their football <laughs> team completely for identifies the who they are. I'm saying the Lions don't give them much joy. But it's a family tradition. You go to the Lions game. They actually have a good record on Thanksgiving, you know, that sort of thing. All right. Game two. Let's move on before Sessler's head explodes. Oh, Sessler, this is a good one for you. Wait, Colleen, I know you're you're do- doing so- – are you doing any Thanksgiving work this week? Uh, if No, you're not actually because I was going to say you could, steal, you could steal some of those lines in analysis uh, from Sessler for, for the network <laughs> on Thursday, but I guess not. That'll play well. Uh, Come join me at the Pac-12. It's a vibrant operation. <laughs> <laughs> Up next, Washington at the Dallas Cowboys. All right, the Cowboys play a lot of Thanksgiving games too, but – I've always enjoyed the Cowboys, a little more pop and circumstance. Creed played halftime once at uh, at Jerry World. What else needs to be said? Uh, So here is a game. I've now, I've turned the corner on the NFC East. I embrace the chaos and how disgusting it is. It's probably harder if you're a fan of one of those teams, like a Connie Fox, like a Tiny Box. Uh, But for for me, I love it. And this is why I love it, Colleen. I'm pissed off, Angelo. Yeah, I get it. I I now think the Cowboys are going to win the division. Last week, I thought the Giants were going to win the division. The week before that, I thought the Eagles were going to win the division. I'm pissed off, Angelo. So there's there's <laughs> something beautiful to yeah. that level of anarchy where it's almost impossible as a quote-unquote analyst to have like a take that lasts more than two weeks. I don't know if I would describe the NFCs as like a beautiful thing. Um, it's it's pretty ugly. I can't, like the winner of this game on Thanksgiving will be the first team to reach four wins in the division to take the lead. I mean, that's where we are right now, and it's all cool. on the shoulders of Alex Smith and Andy Dalton. Like, what what year is this season? <laughs> I mean, this is how how is this a thing? And uh, something to watch here, Terry McLaurin and Antonio Gibson, they both had injury designations on like the Monday estimation mm. practice report. Now, that could also just be a maintenance day for them. So it's just something to watch. But Terry McLaurin obviously is super underrated. Um, I feel like he's just kind of stuck in this Washington purgatory. And maybe, maybe if he has a good game here, he'll get some of the love he deserves. But it's all mm. about that. That Washington pass rush, they were all over the Cowboys in that first game earlier in the year. Now, the Cowboys didn't have Zach Martin for that game, and he looked uh, he looked pretty good in the role that they put him in last week against the Vikings. I mean, he bounced from guard to right tackle and didn't allow a sack, but the Washington pass rush is a lot different than the Vikings pass rush. I, don't, I can't um, 
consistently expect the Cowboys to to have nice things though, Dan. I'm with you. It feels like they're the better team here. Their their defense is legit played well for three weeks. And I include that Vikings game. The Vikings uh, are a really good offense and they got enough stops there to win the game. And Randy Gregory's added a lot. Demarcus Lawrence kind of has a stretch every year where he looks like one of the best players in the league. And he, he's like in that stretch. And yet right when you think that the Cowboys are going to turn a corner, that's when they, they rip your heart out. If you're a Cowboys fan. And I think this Washington team is frisky. I think they've been a little watchable. I think Alex Smith's been better. Watchable. I just I, I don't mind watching them because I think they're getting what they can out of what they have, especially on offense. I think they're pretty well coached. I think Alex Smith has played well. People are kind of like condescending in how they, they think he's played. I think he's played like you would expect Alex Smith to play. They're just like, oh, yeah, he's been nice. But no one thinks he's good. He's a shot fine. directed at me right now. No, no, not at all. Okay. I mean, he's not. Let's let's calm down. I know you've been hitting this, banging this drum that everybody's being condescending to Alex Smith, but he's not a special player either. I mean, there's a no, way to balance that. But he's he's right. He he just looks like an NFL quarterback, though. So does Andy okay. Dalton. I mean, they're they're similar. Sure. They've, they've been. He looks like an NFL quarterback. I didn't necessarily expect that, and I think it gives them a chance to win because they do have some dudes that are fun. Antonio Gibson is so fun to watch. It would be great if he had sort of a breakout game. You would never know that he's playing running back as a wide receiver because he's a truck that mm. just carries people along each week. And I just feel like I can – you you know you were it's saying like you pick a different team each week, Dan. I feel like maybe after this game you're going to be picking the Washington football team because I kind of like them in this. They're game. the last team on my bingo card for the <laughs> NFC East. That's for sure. <laughs> let, me, let me say this. Let me say this. I kind of enjoyed as chaotic as the – locking up the saints was last week and being all aboard the Jamison express and then ending up on Taysom Hill and that working out. I like being in the eye of the hurricane of the NFL right now when it comes to locks of the week and I'm going to get behind the Dallas Cowboys. Woo! This is I like madness. I understand this could backfire terribly, uh, but I really liked what I saw from their offense. And I think uh, that will carry the day here. They're going to continue to score points. And that's why I lock up America's team on Thanksgiving, and it gives me another thing to root for or be in a bad mood about uh, when it's time to carve the turkey. Well, look Do you at think this. They're going to take sledgehammers to turkeys this week. Mm, Is that something we'll do? You know, you often have locks that I find unrewarding, Dan. But um, I I would say the last two uh, that you've unfurled on us are quite um delightful so, this one is this so happy one's to fantastic. entertain you mark with my no locks. i like this i like and, and i called the last game that we discussed a game of no consequence um you would think the two teams that are three and seven uh can't offer much more but this game has tremendous consequence because i've said all along and i'm sticking to this i don't care which one of the four teams on the bingo card win uh the division they will win a playoff game so it's just mm. deciding which team some high flyer um, is going to tumble to in January in total disgrace and go into an offseason with a billion questions. So I'm excited wow. to see who wins this. Um, I would say we I'm with Dan. Get microphone for a second, we can also I thought the microphone Dark for the whole show. We should back. all just check out and let Mark do two hours on the state of pro football. No, I just think I, I'm with you, Dan. I think Dallas has the most life energy right now. The Giants, I would put second. Um, I would put Washington third, and I and, and I'm sorry, Colleen. I think I kind you okay. probably you kind of agree with me that the Eagles are an eyesore, and like they needed to go beat Cleveland in a game where they could have won. Um, they just simply can't get it done, and I don't think that winning a division, um, if you're Philadelphia, has any it makes any sense at this point. I go answer every, deeper questions. 
every game now when I turn on the Eagles, I just feel emotionless. And it's it's just a chore that I have to do and there's no way around it. It just needs to get done. And so it's more of like uh, just enduring the Eagles uh, and, and just waiting for what I expect to be the result every week. I can, I can relate to that, Colleen. I can, sure. I can totally relate to that. Hey, um, and using the bingo card analogy, don't be surprised when the free square in the middle somehow wins the NFC East. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going Giants. Free going square Giants. hosts. A home game in the playoffs. Mark Giants. Colombo wins the NFC East. <laughs> All right, let's let's yeah, let's pick the NFC East winner. You got Giants, Greg. I'll take Cowboys. Connie, you gonna ride or die with the Eagles? Yay, the Eagles. You got it. Fly Eagles, fly. Let's go. And Sizzler, what did you pick again? Dallas. Dallas. All right, we'll see what happens. All right, the late game, and this one is unfortunately in a COVID nineteen world, a lot up in the air as we record on Tuesday early afternoon on the West Coast. The Baltimore Ravens traveling to Heinz Field to face the undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers. It should be a great game uh, uh, featuring a, uh, as I said, undefeated 10-0 Steelers team that is really uh, playing excellent on both sides of the ball. And then a Ravens team that's been one of the disappointments of the AFC this season, and they are in desperate need of a win. So they got a bit of a cornered, Animal game vibe going on here. And yet, Greg, uh, with the news early this week about uh, various COVID-19 list designations, you don't know what version of the Ravens we're going to see or if we're going to see anything at all. Yeah, right now the game's still scheduled. We we do know the the two running backs, J.K. Dobbins, who's coming off his best game, and Mark Ingram are, are on the COVID list. We don't know who the other players are that tested positive. Uh, but the you're just kind of wondering what's left of the Ravens. I, I was p- totally planning to take the Ravens in this game. You know, just kind of like because it just feels like, like you said, cornered animal. And the first half of that Ravens-Steelers game was the most surprising first half that I've seen any two teams play all year. The Ravens made the Steelers look like the Jets. It, it's, it, was, it was amazing, but they didn't take advantage enough on the scoreboard, and they end up blowing that game. And you think about that game, and you think about the Titans game where they had a big lead. Kind of the last thing the Ravens had left um, is that, okay, they play great with a lead. And now they don't even have that left. They don't have their two guys in the middle of their in their defensive line. They don't have a great offensive line. And now they can't even hold leads. Like, if they can't hold leads, what do they have? So it is hard to pick them here. You're going full Dido here, Rosenthal, because uh, you're going down with this ship. Two weeks ago... You I'm taking me. the Steelers. I, I think the I know, but, Ravens well, will okay. keep it close, but I'm taking the Steelers to win. It's just too hard. I was hard. just going to say, two weeks ago, you had the Ravens as the number one, t- number two team in football. Uh, so <laughs> there's there's doubt creeping in for a lot of people that Definitely. banked big on the Ravens entering 2020. Well, they're a different, quickly, just they are a very different team than when they played in week eight, if you think about it. They've lost those running backs. They've lost two offensive linemen. They've lost their blocking tight end. So on top of them being disappointed, they're like uh, different along with the COVID stuff. It just feels like, too, the whole the Ravens offensive line is just a liability for this offense. And that sort of is the place where all of their issues, I feel like, really stems from because the offense hasn't looked the same. And obviously, it's no coincidence that you come into the year without Marshall Yonda and then you lose Ronnie Stanley. And it feels like things really went downhill after that. And you think about the way that Lamar Jackson looked week eight. I mean, four total turnovers in that game, two interceptions, two fumbles. Things obviously just have not been going the same way 
for them on offense. And then, as you mentioned, on defense, there, Brandon Williams, I mean, he was he's on the COVID list now because of close contact. And Calais Campbell, he didn't practice on the Monday estimation practice report. So if they don't have those two guys again, their defense looks completely different too. I, I couldn't agree more with the fact that you point the offensive line out. I mean, this entire offense is built around the concept of a dominating offensive line and um, what they're missing this year. I mean, we Mark Andrews had his best game last week, but they have not had the Mark Andrews of last year. They, have, they are down Nick Boyle. Their tight end group um, is not a strength the way it was a season ago. So you, so they're just not able to function um, the way that a team that went 14 to two last season. And, and, I, I would question a little bit. I've never, I would never say this about the Ravens um, historically because I think that their DNA is toughness. Uh, they will beat you up, and they were beaten up by the Titans. We talked about the AJ uh, Brown play on on Sunday. I mean, just you know, breaking tackles, ripping through Ravens defenders, and really you were impressed by that, huh? I was because it was I think kind of a similar play to the Mike Evans play. It was well, I think two, no, that was, was impressive. And I think two time, two games in a row, the Titans <laughs> embarrassed the Ravens physically. And hey, that Mark, took something out of you. Mark, yes. I have a question for you. Yeah. All right, let's think post-vaccine world. You get the two shots. Okay, you get the shot. You go into a quarantine for two weeks. You get the booster shot, 95%. And guess what? You're in the majority in terms of uh, your defense, your immune system now. You sure. go have fun. Society, the te- they roll it out great, the vaccine. And now everyone's having fun again. They start rolling sporting events back. They start rolling uh, live music back. And I have, an, I have an option for you. I have a, a ticket. I have three tickets, okay? Your right. first post-pandemic concert, okay? And it's all, as Keith Hansis would say, everything's on the arm. The ticket's free, open bar, the little food that you like, ramen, all there. And one of these three artists. Dido, Dido's got some great songs. We love Dido. That was very uh-huh. Trumpy. We, we do. Uh-huh. Dido's got some great songs. Got great songs. We love Dido. Much Enya, because. Enya, choice two. Choice three, Lil Debbie. Cool. Post-pandemic comeback concert. You can only, only pick mm. one. Everything Dido, um. Dido um, a zero factor in this. Ooh, uh, right. The other two concern me. Um, I'm not sure that... Little Debbie and Colleen are different people, so I'd need to explore that topic a bit. Um, yeah, how could how could I not show. pick Enya? Like it would probably be at like uh, like on the the roaming front lawn of Enya's castle. Um, <laughs> you know, you'd bring a, you'd bring a few uh, tasty treats with you, maybe some drinks, and like you're listening to Enya in like Ireland with the sea before you. I go mm-hmm. Enya. Yeah, she's uh, here's why you don't know you don't know Enya. Enya couldn't show up on your podcast. What I mean, if it was how about a little loyalty? Enya- and St. Lucia. Ooh. Um, post-pandemic needs a little St. Lucia vibe. So that I'd have to think about that and get back to you on that one. Okay. I would love to see. I just have this image of Mark in a surprisingly aggressive uh, Enya mosh pit in front of a castle <laughs> off sure. the coast of like Limerick. I think your mom would be there. She's a big Enya fan, Dan. Lo- oh, Deb loves Enya. That's the one thing like everyone needs to know situation. about my mom. Um, all right, there you go. That's Thursday. That's Thanksgiving action. And just a reminder, so we just previewed three games. Because of the holiday here in the States, our schedule's a little bit different. Our preview episode, where we uh, preview the rest of the Week 12 games, that will go up Friday, um, late afternoon, 
here in, uh, excuse me, Friday, hopefully early afternoon here on the West Coast, uh, late afternoon on the East Coast, and morning time uh, overseas in the UK and surrounding areas. So look for that. And yes, also the NFL Network program will uh, air on Saturday morning, uh, previewing all our uh, takes on week 12. All right. Before we get to weakest link talk, I want to just t- I want to check in here, um, Connie and the boys, on the hot butt power rankings. Now everybody knows the old Zeusers right in the NFL.com power rankings, but I also have kicker power rankings, uh, which wow. have a really um, a really passionate audience, and I have butt power rankings. Okay, mm. and, and and it's not the type of butt you're thinking of. It, it's not an illicit thing. It's about which coaches have job security and which coaches. Don't. And I'm going to put them into categories. First category is the biggest one. It's the one you want to be in. The biggest butt. The biggest butt. Uh, This category I label untouchable. Can't touch his butt, a.k.a. freezing butts, but in a good way. A real good way. Here we go. Sean McDermott, Brian Flores. And please, after you hear these names, jump in. If you think any of these coaches are even in the slightest bit of danger with six games to play, uh, for most teams in the NFL season. McDermott, Flores, Belichick, Tomlin, Stefanski. How about that? I don't think anything can get that guy fired, even with that organization involved in Cleveland. John Harbaugh, Frank Reich, Vrabel, Andy Reid, John Gruden, Ron Rivera, the bearded boy, Matt LaFleur, Mike Zimmer, Sean Payton, Matty Rule, Sean McVay, Pete Carroll, Cliff Kingsbury, and Kyle Shanahan. I think everybody in the NFC West is completely safe. Those are the 19. Anybody that you think aren't absolutely lock, lock it up safe out of that group. No debate. I would those be shocked. Locks. Yeah, yeah those were locks. Well done. Okay, so keep in mind also, we've already had two guys get canned. We lost Bob, Bill O'Brien, and Dan Quinn. And in my past studies of the hot butts, um, usually uh, on any given, any given Black um, Sunday, or what is it, Black Monday? Monday? We end up firing our league four to eight head coaches, and we're going to closer to eight, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's eight is a full quarter of the league, which is just bonkers to think about it. Uh, We're going to be potentially in that area because here's the category I put is probably safe. Mm. I'm not. It's not for certain. Bruce Arians, who just missed the cut for me, but I think he's probably safe. And maybe recency bias for what happened Monday night is why he's in the, on this list, but he's there for me. Zach Taylor, probably safe. Doug Peterson, probably safe. And Joe Judge, probably safe. The only I, reason I, I have Judge there is I didn't like some of the reporting out of New York around this Mark Colombo situation and that he's rubbing people the wrong way. And if the Giants flamed out and, and things are really ugly behind the scenes, could that lead to a one-and-done scenario. I, I think Judge should be in the locks because I think the organization loves him, and I think they uh, they think these little ferrets talking to the media are, are the enemy. So and, and, and they've been pretty well coached. So I think he'd be totally safe. Arians is an interesting one. This is probably the right category because, to me, he could almost be like a surprise retirement out of nowhere, you know, just based on his, his recent past, too. Hmm. I, I feel like Arians is in – he, he should he should be a he lock. should I see this Brady thing fine. through but you're right what if it went totally crazy ugly Brady is uh guaranteed money into next year his his whole salary next year so. yeah I guess so Peterson angle is interesting I, mm-hmm. I I'm, I'm with you I think Peterson like he, the one thing that seems to happen when you get to the point where and look at he's got 
a Super Bowl ring. So like, I'm pissed but off, that, Angelo. He's pissed off. He's annoyed. The credibility, like, 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 I'm sorry, but I feel like Philly fans have basically forgotten about the Super Bowl at this point, and everyone attached to it. Um, I'm not sure Carson Wentz is the quarterback next year, despite the guaranteed money, or at least could be in a competition. And Doug Peterson, you know what I see popping up on my Twitter timeline is this? I think it's like Prudential or something, where it's like Doug Peterson knows how to invest. You should do the same. And it's like. The comments um, off of these oh, promoted no. tweets are what is this? It's a promoted I think, tweet? I think it's like Prudential Insurance. or It's some insurance company. I'm not sure it's they Prudential. they got to pull that ad. It comes up every Monday morning, every Tuesday morning, and it is getting flamed. And it's what like with, he has lost his buy-in. And frankly, Doug, when Doug you start – Peterson and poor timing on ads and reads, like what happened at WIP, Connie's old gig. Why is everything connected to Doug Peterson ill-timed? It's very ill-timed. Well, he's ill-timed right now. You so. know, the book is uh, ill-timed, well, according to Mark. It was a little... It was how about a, Frank Reich, Mark? The, the real brains behind the operation no, I just there. I don't need coach biographies um, like two years into the job. Like, give it to me with some with a story to tell. Okay, how about this? Devil's advocate here. I'm with you mostly. The fact that David Tyree wrote a book is everything you need to know. But what if Kevin Stefanski takes the Browns to the Super Bowl next year you buying that book? Uh, uh, leader, leadership and glory. The Kevin Stefanski story. Twenty five copies. They <laughs> can't get on the guy. Can't do it. All right. Now let's move on. Now we get into a little bit of a legitimate danger zone here. Uh, this is, I call it fifty fifty. This is the fifty fifty club. And that's the sound you don't want to hear. Butts are starting to warm up. Mike it's McCarthy. Disturbing every time I hear it. I think McCarthy, you could say, should be a tier higher, but also, let's say the Cowboys do go three and thirteen, and this dissension behind the scenes continues to pop up, and we get a Seth Wickersham explosive uh, story that comes out in December at some point. I don't know. I just it's something to track. Then you have Vic Fangio. Just keep an eye on Vic, because Vic, are you there? I need to hear Vic's butt sizzling, Ricky. Do I mean, we do we like, really need to hear that? Right. It's like, you know, pandemic you? and Thanksgiving yes. week. Yeah, well, listen, to you got to have men out of business. The, this is the yin, yin and the yang. Vic Fangio. I, Elway's going to look to point some fingers if he has to. So it could be Fangio that bites it. Uh, Anthony Lynn. I think we've talked about that. He needs probably a strong finish, I think, to guarantee that he comes back. And then Matt Nagy with the Bears. I put him at 50-50. What do you guys think about that? Who was the first one? I think McCarthy is way safer than that. I would maybe flip him in Zach Taylor. if if There's some reports out of Cincinnati in terms of some turmoil behind the scenes with that coaching staff. Um, that would be concerning. I think when when does Jerry Jones go one and done? Like he's hired a lot of bad Cowboys coaches with a lot of bad records, uh, not just Garrett, and he sticks with them. So I don't think he's going to want to admit a a mistake. Jared's not getting any younger, though. I I I get it so quickly. And I think Lynn is a lot safer, too. Um, you can, you could argue, um, why, but, uh, I, I think they believe that they have the right group. And I, and I do wonder if the pandemic, especially with a team like the chargers, you know, not known to be spending extra money, uh, over the years, are they really going to want to like blow things up? Uh, I think you give Telesco and Lynn another year just cause they don't want to bother and they give, they give them a little pass somewhat cause, uh, it's a tough situation. This year. I mean, I think on the bears front, you know, I, because that ownership group is so glacier-like, um, maybe they stick with it. Or maybe, you know, Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy have 
like Patty Hearst ownership and there is no one making decisions and they'll stay forever, but they should be removed. I mean, there's no argument. There's no growth. There's no vision. Um, what they've, what they've envisioned no is exactly, well, right. I mean, but what, what they've envisioned is what 2020 is saying don't do football wise. So uh, we don't need you a new want to direction see what Matt there. Maggie would look like with a real quarterback though. No, I don't want to see that. I know, but isn't it a little unfair to say that he's a bad coach because his well, you had three, are... you had three years to choose the right quarterback, to find the right quarterback in free agency, to hire actual competition for Matt Mitch Trubisky, that, which they chose not to do. Okay. I mean, I would say the average Bears fan has probably run out of patience. Do we need another year of this? And they'll shove him on prime time three, you know, three nights a year, and we're all dealing with it. I don't. It, let's move on. Yes, let's move on. Indeed. Uh, finally, this is the Button Flames division. It would take, I think, something close to an act of God to get these guys' heinies uh, from being completely charred by the time we get to January 4th. Unpleasant. Everything about this is unpleasant. Adam Gase? I feel awkward. Yeah, that's been my role in this segment. Thanks for joining me. Doug Marone? That feels heightened. The torture scenario. I mean, yeah, it can. Why I feel uncomfortable. Well, you're paying for. And Matt Patricia. Those are the three. So I think Gates, Marone, Patricia, B.O.B., Dan Quinn, that's five. And then I think you're going to get one to two other guys picked off. So I'm going to say we're going to be replacing, if I had to guess, seven head coaches in January. Does Patricia make it to the end of the season? At this point, I would say yes, but you never know. It might be one of those situations where they want to fire a guy and get a get a jump start on their. They have a new owner search. too, which is you know I know it's the mm. Ford family, but it, it's it's been a new owner, a new member of the family. Uh, so she uh, will have to make her presence felt at, at some point. And look, six games is a long time, especially for a guy like Nagy. I think that was a perfect fifty fifty call. It's like how these six games go. It, maybe it shouldn't inform it, but it will inform it a ton uh, for a guy like Nagy. But I, I think you're right about all the all the locks. I was thinking as watching these games, and especially like the bad teams. Wouldn't this be the worst year ever to be the worst teams? I mean, yeah. you're at, you're Adam Gase, and you're the, you're the Eagle. Like to be a bad team in East Coast market, like you're in the middle of a miserable pandemic, and there's probably nothing more miserable being, than being on a, a head coach of a bad football team and uh, and everyone or, like, hates you in the well, middle I of this, in this season. Or there's, conversely, there's no fans in the stands. Uh, there, people are distracted in general by what's going on in the mm. world. And you kind of go under the radar just a little bit. It like, doesn't feel like it, it. I thought maybe people, including myself and our show, like would have a little leeway, but we, we have, and we're, it's basically all the same as normal. Like they're, they are getting buried in Philadelphia, aren't they, Colleen? Oh, oh, like, yes. <laughs> yes, they are. That this so feels a little extra. All right. So there you go. Those are the hot butt rankings. And just, I know, because there's some uh, pearl clutching going on on the podcast. Uh, no one's butts are actually harmed in the making of that segment. It's all, well, that's a it's all fun. That's it. That's it. Okay. What acting then by you on, you know, <laughs> you and Erica, those sessions that you, that you do behind the scenes to record. Them. <laughs> um, I kind of enjoy it. All right. As promised, before we say goodbye and head toward the Thanksgiving holiday, uh, let's talk weakest link and let's do it. Let's, let's bring it. Let's get the round table going in. Let's get Erica in. Of course, who is on the weakest link? Let's bring in uh, the great, the iconic, 
Lakeisha Wessling, who was, uh, who was uh, nice watching the show with us. And let's also bring in the great Gonzo, John Gonzalez. Oh! <laughs> Look at that dude. That's amazing. the dude right what there. A, a he has not given up on the Eagles yet. All right. Let's uh, let's get into it. Okay. How you doing, Lakeisha? You look beautiful, dear. I'm thinking I'm all over the place. It's chemo Tuesday, so I'm running around like crazy with, you know, taking care of Chris and Link and stuff. But I am excited to be here right now, though. I miss you guys. What a miss queen. You. Uh, also, John Gonzalez. Yes, as I said, wearing the old school Eagles hat. John, how are you doing, buddy? NFC East leading Philadelphia Eagles, terrorizing everybody. And what are we discussing? Are we discussing Erica's abject failure on national television? Because you have asked the right guy. Yeah, you're used <laughs> to that. You're used to that, huh? Uh, you guys look adorable, by the way, huddled around that microphone. What a couple the Wolves are. Well, the Gonzaleses, <laughs> the Gonzales Wolves. All right, here we go. Let's get into it. Erica, first, a big picture take, Erica. What, what were your thoughts when... And if you haven't watched yet, spoiler alerts, Erica successfully navigates through the program. Okay. She, she even gets it to the point where she masterfully like, uh, like uh, a Corleone uh, Don picks out the dummy and says, that's the guy I need to be against at the end of the show to win the weakest link. And then it didn't quite work out. Erica, take us through it. Well, first of all, I just would love to hear Greg's thoughts on the show. I, I'm proud of you for like advertising. I didn't watch it live. I think, oh, that's of course not. It. But um, <laughs> I was, you know, we, we all got crazy deadlines here on Thanksgiving week. It's not about me. I, I'm proud of you because, like, you've owned this and you you did better than I thought. You did tell, you know, you it wasn't a secret. You told us uh, what was gonna happen. I knew you were gonna blow it, blow it. And Wait, uh, I, you I, think I admire, she was gonna do. I had well, I, didn't I admire. Know that. Oh really? I thought we were all playing along. I um, I was impressed uh, just that you put yourself out there like that. I don't know. It's good. I yeah. I would be I would be like not wanting anyone to watch that. I'd be ashamed. Yeah. Well, it was uh, it was very 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 funny how it ended, and it's it was even more fun to watch you guys watch it and be like live texting and everyone sort of freaking out as it got worse and worse because. <laughs> I was on the entirety of the show. Had I been voted off the first or second round, it would have been like, oh, that was stupid. I was on a game show, whatever. But I made it all the way to the final and I lost to the dumbest person possible on the show. And so to me, I was like, <laughs> like sick to my stomach, you guys, like 45 grand. Like I, I was so clo- like it, it was painful. And he had a ton of softball questions. I knew every single one of his questions. It wasn't fair. It was what not was your fair. biggest regret question? Yeah, what was the question that you in Russia was it the Bing? Fahrenheit? Was it Bing? No, it wasn't Bing. <laughs> it was actually this one. Erica. Hey Jane. I asked you for one word for the Hebrew word that means hello, <laughs> goodbye, and peace, and you gave me two. And what were those two words? Mazel tov, but it was hyphenated, so it's like Okay. Well, I have two more words for you. Oi vey. <laughs> buried by jane lynch in the biggest of all spots you know that what i thought hurt. i thought you had the right answer so i'm not gonna judge thanks it was it's much harder I, no uh, i made that up it was so hard though everyone's like oh yeah i knew every single one of these questions like it's really easy when you're sitting on your couch and you don't yeah. have you know six foot jane lynch looking down your like soul like it it was and there was like a hundred people behind cameras and everything it was it was terrifying 
I couldn't imagine it. Lakeisha, you are such a a beam of optimism in uh, times of crisis. And, and what were your thoughts on how Erica comported herself during the program? I thought she was the best. Like, she was the one that had, like, the best personality. She was so likable. Like, I just – I'm literally – was just rewatching it right now. Like, girl, you killed it. Like everyone else was just so stiff and stuffy. And like, she got, she had a lot of um, chemistry with um, Jane. Like it just was so much fun. I was proud of you. It was like watching like my little sister, you know, on stage. It was awesome. I am so with Lakeisha. My one note here was that she, you were the only person that had any tangible chemistry with Jane Lynch, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, that, that suggests a larger role for you in, in mass media and um, uh, in star <laughs> yeah. making in general. And the person you lost to this Aaron fellow, um, I'm waiting for his follow up to Tom Brokaw's The Greatest Generation. But one of the um, dimmest figures I've ever witnessed on a television <laughs> set, just to be fair. <laughs> tell, tell me more about the screw salesman. Yeah, that's no, him. That's Aaron. That's Aaron. <laughs> oh, my it, God. It was terrible. Guys. Right. It was horrible. It, 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 that's what was so crushing about it, because I, I definitely respected how you handled it, too, Ricky, navigating it. You almost got voted mm-hmm. out right at the beginning. You barely survived that. In fact, you, sh- you were out because it was a tie, and the person that had the right to the tiebreaker as the strongest link had voted for you. But then they switched to the other person, which I don't understand the rules of the game too well. That stunned me. Uh, so that was great to see. Mm-hmm. Um, I did I did like your line after you went down in the finals in sudden death and tragic circumstances, uh, getting shut out in five questions. Uh, mm-hmm. You had set you had set up the chessboard so well. And then when you have to do your mm-hmm. talking head, uh, this is what you had to say. I thought it was a shoe in and it was a shoe out, I guess. <laughs> I'm never going to let this down. <laughs> they asked me probably like they interviewed me for 20 minutes and that's what they took it was they kept going they kept being like so how does it feel to lose to Aaron and I'd be like oh you know like I was trying to like play it nice and they'd be like no how does it feel to lose to that idiot and I'm like um I I think he you know did his best and then I like you know did the shoe line so I don't even remember Mm. anything that I that I said really you got screwed Literally, yeah. I said yeah, that, well, but go. they cut that from the yeah. show. Oh, come on, John. Did you think? Did you think that Erica and I want to get to these questions before we say goodbye? These sudden death questions. So no spoilers. But did you think it was a bit of almost the the fix was in a little bit when you looked at the questions that the dummy got, and then you got the questions <laughs> that Ricky got? <laughs> I, I will say I, I do like to tease Erica, uh, and you know I was excited for her to make the finals. But the, the final questions, yeah, I thought that his were, were considerably easier than Erica's. Madeline Albright's a tough pull. The Bing one I thought you, you could have done better on, but the other ones that were, were difficult. I thought that the, um, what was it, the, the Scorpio sign or Libra or whatever that was. Oh, Zodiac sign. Zodiac I didn't sign know that. Are difficult, but you did set up the board so well. And uh, I was the Reddit, all the ATN listeners who, who go and, and listen to you guys and on uh, on Reddit said that it was like blowing the twenty eight three lead and it just right. hurt my soul for you. Love that. Yeah, I bet it does. <laughs> that is what I was getting at, Ricky. Was that you? So enjoyably you you enjoyed the experience and you promoted it and you wanted everyone to watch it it would have been like scott norwood you know promoting this like a tape delay of the super bowl before bill's giants it was like everyone's gotta come see this like in the final moment but it was great yeah yeah well some of us are on nfl network on saturday mornings at 7 a.m greg and some of us are on nbc so they want people to watch it oh yeah 
We have a great group chat uh, called the ATN Bastards uh, on on um, text, and I and Colleen named it. So come after her if you think it's inappropriate. <laughs> and well, it is. And we were all live going back and forth. It was fun watching a live program that wasn't sports uh, yeah. the way we were watching it. Greg was not on the chat. And then there were some questions. People are, Greg, people were asking questions behind the scenes. Uh, should Greg be here? Should he be mm. involved with this moment? moment? Did Greg even watch it? And now here's the ultimate test, Greg. Would you would you agree to me running the sudden death questions by you, putting you in the in the sudden death chair, just to show the audience what the questions were and get someone new for the uh, <laughs> Q&A back and forth there? I mean, I did not watch the whole show, if that's what oh! you're trying to get. Why? I'm gonna watch now. it at some point. Lakeisha, that, that I don't think that, that said something, doesn't it, Lakeisha? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. Link watched the whole show. I'm right? Link. Oh yeah. No, oh. Link was Link was out by then. All right. Mom so... had to get a drink on. Wait, wait, wait. Before we, be- real yes. quick, before we do this, who, where did you get the cake? What, what, what was the cake story? Oh, right. What is the I, cake? I got the cake. Um, for, like, I woke up. It was the first thing I did. I was like, I must go to the bakery and find. Let me just pause here. When Colleen says it's, she woke up and it was the first thing. It was noon. Did. It was noon. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it's my, this is my vacation schedule. week and I will do what I want. And that means I will sleep in until noon and then go get a cake. The first thing I did was go to a bakery. Uh, but my God, they spelled your name wrong. And well, then I kind of thought that was even funnier. So. It was so good. It was so good. You guys posted it on Instagram. And I like looked at the box. I was like, there's no way they made that. And then I was like, did they do that on purpose? Or are they just rolling? It was classic. It was classic. You should have but- seen our faces when we, we opened it up. It was like, <laughs> oh. If it, it'll, be, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. It'll be oh, fine. Well, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, Greg. That's you down for this? All you have to do is beat... You have to get one to beat Erica. Oh, and we're two. Still doing this. I thought it was two, just the show. Okay, let's try it. Two to defeat um, Aaron. Okay. Aaron. Are you kidding me with that? Aaron? Anyway, here we go. In 1998, Stanford, Stanford grad students Sergey Brin and Larry Page launched what revolutionary internet search engine? Bing. Wow. The correct answer <laughs> is Google. Who is the only American Idol contestant to win an Oscar? Uh, Jennifer Hudson. Correct. When England's King George V (laughs) changed his surname in 1917, what became the official last name of the British royal family? I don't know. The correct answer is Windsor. Who... (laughs) Was the first female U.S. Secretary of State? Condoleezza Rice. We said it earlier. Madeline Albright. Oh, of course. And this is to yeah. defeat. You got to answer it quick, right? Yeah, no. faster, yeah. and then you're doing yeah. it. Yeah. In or, astrology, or that would help. In astrology, what is the only sign of the zodiac that is represented by a non-living object? Hmm, Aries. Sorry, Libra. <laughs> you have tied Ooh. Aaron, but defeated Erica. Oh, she didn't get any. Right. None. Yeah. The, the Albright one hurts, but yeah. you, know, you got to answer it fast. It's a bad job. Mark, what did, why, why didn't Greg watch Erica on The Weakest Link? Let's talk about it. 
I don't know. He he mentioned you mentioned a deadline. I don't know what type of deadline that, that I, I, was. We had to write. I have to file my picks for today. We got another show coming up today, and we had to file our entire tape request and everything for a game debut by today. There's mm. a, we also have children going on. Yeah, but it was uh, last night. Right. That. What do you think I was doing last night? 10 p.m. Lakeisha. I'm just now realizing that he really didn't watch it. So yeah. I'm go. I'm too gullible, man. All right. I mean, Greg, it's okay. Erica will never I did watch forget this I watched ever again. But you also could not care less. So it's well, it kind of they work together well. That, I know, look you... at Erica more as like, you know, a colleague rather than a friend. You know what I mean? So we, we try to like keep that separate. <laughs> okay. <laughs> see you next time. <laughs> it just got dark in a different uh, box on the show today. All right. Final. Anybody have final thoughts, uh, Lakeisha and John, before we say goodbye to you? I just, yeah, I just can't believe the Aaron dude just rewatching it. Like he got so many freaking questions wrong. And it's just like out of all of the people on the panel to like make it and win. That's was, what hurt. Yeah. That's what hurt so bad. And I thought hmm. I was doing the right thing. But then he gets, you know, that he couldn't get the he didn't even get the NBA. And he was like, men's basketball. Like it was so mm. those questions were so bad. Mm. He messed up the rainbow flag, which is and- like. And Evan, the one dude, like the Nicki Minaj, what what was that? The Cardi B question? Yeah, Fantasia. Like, no, come on. Just, just a terrible, terrible showing. And um, you know, Emma, Emma, and I put out a broadcast episode late last night, recapping what happened, where I was locked in a room eight hours before taping. Go check it out. Oh, very good. So check that. you might have lost, but the rest of us won with all the uh, gifts and memes that you provided us. Yeah. And I want to thank you from yeah. the bottom of my heart because that will never leave our DVR. And I will spend much of the holiday weekend chopping that up. <laughs> so thank you. Save until delete status for sure. And uh, let's give the final word to the host, Jane Lynch, who, uh, who sent off Ricky Hollywood thusly. And have a great holiday, everybody. And we will see you on Friday. Erica, you gained some knowledge tonight. And that knowledge is that maybe this type of thing isn't for you. (laughs) (laughs) Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Bye, guys. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.